so we're starting a new series today, and it's a long one. It's a seven-week series. We never do series this long. We're going to go on an exciting journey about what God's doing in our lives and through our lives over the next few weeks, and it's called, everybody say, Hope Don't Quit. Hope Don't Quit. Hope Don't Quit. Jesus did not quit on us. Amen? His hope came to do a work in us, and because of that, we're not going to quit on others. Amen? Because of that, what he's done in us spurns us on, and we're going to do what he desires us to do in other people's lives, because hope don't, don't quit. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at that, what that looks like, what that hope looks like in our lives, what it looks like through our lives. And, and can I take a moment to celebrate something? You know, we always say that we exist because everyone needs a story of hope. That's why we exist. And that means if we exist, that means that we put things into priority that brings hope to people's lives, Right? And so last Sunday, we stopped everything, right at the beginning of service, and I said, we want to be a church that never gets so big about the show that we can't just stop and do the work of the Lord. And last Sunday, remember Dr. Paul Salee that we talked about, who had fallen from a fourth-story building? It's the uncle of Sharla, the young lady that was singing here. Um, it was her uncle. He's a pastor. He's doing some construction and fell off a fourth-story building, you know? They thought he was going to die. Last Sunday, we stood in agreement. We joined hands in faith. Shout faith. faith. We did. We stood in belief. And, and, and we believed that God was going to do a work in Dr. Paul Salee. And man, they thought he wasn't going to make it. And I'm going to tell you right now, as of yesterday morning, this is great. They were doing some therapy with him. He's blinking his eyes on response. Amen. Which is a huge deal. And they asked him, raise your hands up. And he raised them all the way up to the ceiling. They're blown away already with the brain injury that he has, that he was able to do that. And I, know, and I don't know Dr. Paul Salee, but I know the spirit of a man like that. And I have a feeling that he wasn't just raising his hands to the ceiling to say, look at this physical exercise. I have a feeling deep down on the inside, he was saying, hope don't quit. Praise the Lord. He was lifting his hands in victory, amen. That'll make you preach. Come on. That's awesome. Praise Jesus. And continue to pray for Dr. Paul Salee. I believe God's going to turn that man, his situation completely around. And so over the next month and a half, we're looking at this idea of hope and this idea of, of what that means for us, that God had hope in us, that we walk in a hope, in a faith to believe for God, for what he's going to do in us and through us. And so let me give you kind of a definition of hope, all right? So when it comes to hope, it's a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. That, that's really what hope is, an expectation for a certain thing to happen. It's the expectation of a desired end, right? How many here, you're single? And some of you have an expectation of a desired end for marriage. Okay, I want all the singles to look around, okay? So... We're going to have another meet and greet just for you. No. No. But how many are sitting next to your hope? You're sitting next to your desired end. Yeah, 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 yeah. Me too. Me too. 23 years of marriage. She was 10 years old when I first met her, you know? That doesn't mean that she's... No, no. 23 years. We waited till she is an adult, you know? My family is from Kentucky, but now that's ridiculous. I didn't say we're from Alabama. <laughs> Roll tide, right? <laughs> but, but that expectation of a desired end. And, and this coming week, I get the opportunity to fly to D.C., which is really cool. I get to fly to D.C. to marry Maduka. I don't know if you guys know Maduka. Chilibukwesi. That's a lovely last name. I love that. Chilibukwesi. 
get to marry him and his girl, Ciara. And I told him, I'll marry you guys on one condition, that when you get married, Ciara moves here from D.C., not the other way around, you know. And she's moving here. Yay! But I get to go up there and marry him, and it's just the coolest thing, you know, getting to go. But that's the object of his desire. That's, that's that designated end that he's hoped for. Went through hardship, went through divorce, but God is restoring him and bringing hope and the manifestation of what he's hoped for. And when you guys get to know Ciara, you'll fall in love with her just like he has and just like I have. What amazing person. But their hope is manifesting into reality this week. I think that's an awesome thing. I don't think hope is just something, though, that you desire. You know, many of you in the room, you have something you hope for, something you're believing for, something you have faith for. But listen, I don't think it's just something that you desire. I think there's a reason why you hope. And I think part of it is because you are expressing the Imago Dei. Everybody say Imago Dei. That, that means the image of God. I believe your God as a creator, he is created in such a way, not created, but he is in such a way, a God that has hope, belief, faith. And you may say, I don't get that. It was his nature to call those things or not as though they are. To look across the formless void and say, let there be light. To look across the formless void and say, let the, the, the firmament be separated from the earth. And to allow birds to come and, and, and all the wonderful things we get to eat. Hallelujah. <laughs> He's creative, you know. And so I believe that that nature of God, that God has this hope. And if you don't believe that, well, why would God have a hope? Because he's God. He just does whatever he wants to do, right? No, he has a hope. In the scripture, he says, I wish above all things that you'd prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. He'd say things like, I don't want anyone to perish. No, not one. There's a heart, a hope, and you're in the eye of his hope. Isn't that cool? He has hopes for you, Rachel, girl. He does dreams and aspirations and thoughts that you never even thought possible. Every single person in here, your creator God has hopes for you. And I just feel that because he's that way, he's that kind of God that just speaks stuff out of nothing. And it is. He has placed something within his people that is creative. He's placed something within us that has this propensity to believe in the things that we can't see and to trust God that they will become evident. And that's, that's a fun way to live, but it's a hard way to live. So it's a tension that we're going to talk about today, you know? I believe the desire that God has within you to call those things that are not as though they are, it comes from the nature of our God. God has desires, and I believe when it comes to it, God has desires for your life. Can I ask you, what is God desiring to do in your life? Do you have kind of a target? <laughs> what was it? You know I'm deaf. You know, what's he desiring to do in your life? Is it, is it one of those things to where when it comes down to it, is it, is it something of a, a story of hope that's still in the process of being written for you? Because you know every story has chapters, amen? I, I wish it would just jump right to the end. I wish everything was a nickel novel, but it's not. And sometimes it's a long saga. How many's going through a saga waiting for your end of story? Mm -hmm. Me too, I remember that. And many of you went on that journey with me, you know? For nine years of this church plant, we're 12 years old. For nine years, it was a saga. It, it was, ooh, Lord. Everybody shout, ooh, Lord. Ooh, Lord. I'm telling you. I remember Amy looking at me one time saying, when do we leave? No, she didn't say it that way. But she did say one time, she said, what will it take for us to go back home? What will it take for us to quit? What will it, how bad does it have to get, Ross, 
before we stop doing this, you know? And in prayer, she and I was able to find that answer. And that answer was to keep going. Why? Because hope don't quit. God had a plan and a purpose. And those nine years of going through it was still a part of the plan and still part of the purpose. I'm loving the three years we've experienced since that. It's a lot more fun preaching to a room full of folk. Yes, it is. <laughs> but listen, everyone needs a story of hope. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm talking about that thing that God desires to do in people's lives in general, but not just in general. Because I don't know about you. How many love people? Okay. How many loves you, <laughs> you know, like yourself? I, love, I, get, I like a lot of Ross. <laughs> I do. The only person who likes more Ross is probably Amy. She just loves me. I don't know why. Because I'm lovable. But, but no, every one of us. And guess what? God loves you. God likes you. God has hope for you. And so, yeah, I want to have hope that God's going to do something in my life to touch people. But God has hope for you. Isn't that good? He's watching out for you. He has something that he wants to happen in your life. And usually it'll link into the area of calling. It'll link into the area of purpose. It'll link into the area of identity. It'll link into the area of life change. But God has hope for all those things for you. And so walking in the hope, though, and when it comes to our life, walking in the hope of what God has next for our lives is often marked by a believing a thing before receiving a thing. And it's crazy. As I was writing this sermon a couple weeks ago, um, I just had dropped that down. And at the beginning of this week, I listened to a podcast from a preacher. And guess what he was talking about? Walking in a thing before, or believing a thing, walking toward a thing before walking in a thing, you know? And then I listened to another podcast of another preacher. Guess what he's talking about? Same thing. And then Katie Rolls on the mission field in the Dominican Republic, she sends out a, a Facebook message, and it's the same thing. And I'm like, I'm not that thick-headed, God. I bet you're saying something. And when it comes down to it, we've got to understand that walking the hope of what God has next for our lives is marked by believing a thing before receiving a thing. So what that means, this idea of faith, faith is balancing the tension of walking towards something before walking in something. Does that make sense? It's balancing that tension. And for nine years, we were walking toward the culture. I love the culture of this house. We were walking toward the culture of this house. We just hadn't seen yet evident the fullness of that just yet. We were walking towards the provision of God. We just hadn't seen the evidence of it yet. We were walking towards, but we were believing in faith, believing in hope that God was going to bring that thing forth. And next thing you know, we start seeing his hand move. But I would say his hand wasn't moving three years ago. His hand was moving 12 years ago. I just didn't like how it was moving. I didn't like the tension between what I'm believing for and what I'm walking, what I'm walking in. Let's stand to our feet, if you would. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 11. Just a short passage today, about two chapters we're going to stand for. No, just a couple of verses. Hebrews 11, 1 through 2. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. If you would, I want you to read that together. Ready, read. Amen. You can have your seat if you would. When it comes to this scripture, 
let me break it down. Faith sees that thing you're hoping for so real. Okay, so, so faith sees what you're hoping for so real. That's the substance. It, it's, it's just, it's as if it is. It sees it so real. That's the substance that you walk towards it even though it seems impossible. That's the tension, all right? You walk towards something before you actually walk in something. But that something's coming. That's the evidence. Is that good? So let me read through that one more time. Faith sees that thing you're hoping for so real. Everybody say, that's the substance. That you walk towards it even though it seems impossible. Say, that's the tension. You walk towards something before you actually walk in something. That's the evidence. And so it says here, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I learned that in real time at about 19 years old. I was in Pennsylvania as an intern at a church, and Amy and I had been dating for probably about a year and a half or so, and, um, and I ended up going to do this internship. And as I go to do the internship, Amy, guys, listen, I know this is going to be hard for you to believe, I'm the only guy she's ever kissed. Woo! I'm the man! I mean, I know it's surprising, but once you kiss, you know. <laughs> try the best. Why try the rest? No, I'm kidding. So, true story, though. True story. So what happens is, um, when I go to go to Pennsylvania, she decides, probably a little more her than me, um, that she's going to date around while I'm gone, you know. A lot more her than me. Um, but I felt like that was probably the Lord's doing, you know. Didn't ever want her to have regrets. And so her plan is to date around. My plan is to be with Jesus. <laughs> True. I took a year. Lord, I'm just going to focus on you because I just love Jesus more than Amy. I'm just going to spend time. No. I'm going to spend time in the presence of the Lord. No, but I really did. I made a commitment that this year I'm just going to focus on the Lord and, um, and just take this internship seriously and God, what do you have for my future and, and, and those kinds of things, you know? And, um, and I know it might be surprising. That wasn't too difficult. Didn't have a whole lot of opportunities. <laughs> Not too many girls knocking down the door. Let's just say that, you know? So it's kind of an easy... It was kind of an easy, easy year on that. But <laughs> about six months into it, I um, was praying, and I just really kept being, feeling that angst, and I hated that angst. I just want to resolve this. God, I just want to serve you. I want to preach your word. I don't want to focus and worry about who's in my life, you know? But I really love Amy. She's everything to me. My hope was that she would be the one I would spend the rest of my life with in service to the Lord. And so I thought, I'm going to fast. First time I ever fasted seven days in my life. And so I take a seven-day period. I'm going to focus on Jesus. And Lord, you tell me if she's the one or not. And at the end of the seven days, guess what? I was really hungry. <laughs> it's true. And I was just like, I was hungry. But I really felt a release in my spirit that she was the one. And now here's the way faith works. Guess what I did? That week, I put a ring in on Layway. How do you remember Layway? <laughs> Young people, listen. There was a thing at one time... You put stuff in, you pay a little on it. You don't get it. That's credit. You don't get it. You don't get to have, you put money on it and you don't get to have it? Yes. It's layaway. It's laid away. And so it took a year on layaway to get this glorious rock, <laughs> to get this thing bought. And, but check this. She's dating people when I put the ring in layaway. 
I'd call her on Friday night because that's when she's going to go out. So I always want to get my foot in the door. So I'd call her on Friday night, and I'd say, hey, baby, how you going? No, I didn't say baby. I just said, I called her princess. Hey, princess, are you going out tonight? Yes. Who are you going out with, Scott? Oh, he's a good guy. He's not me, but he's a good guy. Now, listen, you got to understand, I am not cocky at all. I just know I'm unique. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just being honest. And I just knew it's like, I'm who God told for her to be. And, and so she can do what she's going to do, but that girl's mine. I just know it, you know. And so, yes, he's, he's not me. And, um, and so, you know, this went on for months, you know. I end up coming back home after the internship, and we start to date exclusively again. And um, I get that ring out of layaway. It took a year. I had that ring in my drawer for another six months, you know. But I knew she was going to be my wife. I knew it. There was a sense of hope, the sense of faith that led to action. There was tons of tension, though, tons of tension. And she's going out with other people and, 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 and all those kinds of things. But I just knew that she was the one. I dreamed that we would have a life together. And then when we started to date exclusively and began for marriage, we just knew we would go into ministry and we would travel as evangelists in a mobile home all over the world preaching Jesus. That's what we thought. And, uh, but God put in our hearts to be pastors, and we love being pastors with evangelistic hearts. We still have a camper. We just don't preach in it. We just camp in it, you know. We couldn't get too far away from that original dream. But all I'm saying is that hope is the expectation of a desired end. Hope is something that by nature is pregnant with promise. And I knew God was going to birth a marriage and a union that after 23 years now, I mean, we still are serving Jesus. There's 10 times that she's wanted to kill me, and deservedly so. I love you, baby. <laughs> Ooh, first service, it got me too. But after all these years, we're walking in that hope. And there was tons of tension, but we're walking in that hope. The evidence of that thing we walked toward before we ever saw it possible. Amen? That's what I'm talking about. I don't know what God has for you, but you access that hope and that promise by stepping out in in faith. Scripture says faith without works is, is dead. It's dead. And so faith and hope, they kind of work together. And we see this throughout Scripture. We're going to walk real quick through a few people in Scripture, and then we're going to go home. Amen? Oh, and we're going to make an announcement, and then we're going to go home. Everybody's like, you better make that announcement. <laughs> you know what's funny? This is a pretty good-sized house. First service was packed to the gills. Everybody's like, I'm getting my T-shirt. Those folks that came in first service, half of them, they ain't never been out of bed before 8.30, 9.30, being honest. But today they're like, uh-uh, 11.30, gonna get my, mm, no, getting my t-shirt. <laughs> All right, Hebrews chapter 11, it says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called out to go to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking toward to the city that foundations whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age. Since she considered him faithful who had promised, who did she consider faithful? God. That he was faithful. And therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. What we see in this passage of Scripture is that by faith, Abraham stepping out, by faith, a nation was born. Abraham stepped out in faith, and a nation was born. But watch this. Every person that steps out in faith, that steps out toward hope, 
there's always this tension. It's just part of life. As you walk into what God wants for your life, you'll experience tension, opposition. Maybe God is stirring in your heart deliverance from alcohol, you know? I was just talking to a man this morning. He said, I told him, I said, man, you look good. You look incredible. This guy was looking like the bomb. And he's like, you know, a year ago, I quit drinking alcohol, and it's changed my life. I just realized I'm not going to sit at home every night and drink. And this guy, man, looking good, you know? It's one of those things, though. I bet you that guy had tension. I bet he had opposition as he's made that commitment to the Lord. I bet he's had struggle, but he's walking in some evidence today. You know, I'm kind of joking, but man, that evidence was all up in them Levi jeans. He, you could just see it on him. He felt good about himself, you know. His wife couldn't keep her hands off of him. No, I'm teasing. I'm not going to say his name is. I want to, but I'm not going to. I'm proud of him. I don't know if he's in here now or not, but I'm proud of you. I really am. You've done it, but you felt that tension. You felt that opposition. Same way with Abraham. You know, look at this here. He, want, he went out not knowing where he was going. How many men you hate to just go? Women are like, hey, let's go for a drive. Where do you want to go? I don't care. I don't care. Let's just go. Let's just go. You know? No. I want to know where I'm going, what time I'm going to supposed to be at these spots. You know what I mean? Why? Because we're men. You know? Women are great. It's just, let's just go. Well, Abraham was a man. And he's going where he does not know where he's going. He's just going on the instruction of the Lord. That's opposition to himself. That's tension. He's looking forward to a city whose foundations will be put by God. He's looking forward. Faith always is something that's looking forward. It's not something looking back. Hope is always something that's in, in the future. You're believing for it. There's tension as he's moving toward that. But you can see the sense of opposition with Abraham. I love this. You're going to be a father of many nations. Your descendants will be like the innumerable sands in the beach, like the stars in the sky. But watch what it says. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead. If that's your epitaph, <laughs> you know, wow, that John Jacob Jingleheimer Smith. I don't want to get in trouble. I just throw that one out there. That guy is good as dead. You know, he ain't worth it. Man, that's how this guy was. Up in years, he looking at his woman going, ain't no way this is happening. You know, she's up in years. But God had a plan, and he steps out into that plan. You know, can you imagine that conversation with Sarah? Girl, it's been a long time, but let's, let's try to figure this out. <laughs> just being honest, they were way up there. <laughs> you think the first service didn't get that little bit of a <laughs> little bit of revelation. You know? But can you imagine that? Man, Sarah, like, get away from me, old man. <laughs> no. You good as dead. No, I'm not. You watch. Get me a get me a pill, baby. Get me a pill. Okay, Ross, you went too far. Get me. What'd you learn at Pastor <laughs> at church today? Pastor Ross said, get me a pill. All right, so he steps out in faith, but check this, check this. He faced all that opposition. <laughs> he faced all that opposition. <laughs> but because of Abraham, a people, a whole people, descendants, a whole people, they were able to find their seat at the table of identity. They're not just wanderers in the desert anymore. God gave them a place to belong. Isn't that neat? God gave them to be a people, to have an identity. I love that. We always hear a moment and we always say, you belong here. Why? Because a place and being a people, having an identity is so powerful. 
You know, the enemy loves to separate us, to divide us from God's best. But we can see here Abraham stepping out in faith. And because he did that, a whole nation of people were able to have identity, to have a place, and to be his people. Why? Why did he face that opposition? Because hope, everybody say it, hope don't quit. He was willing to face it all because it's worth stepping into the unknown. Hope don't quit. We step into the unknown and God does incredible things. He brings that identity he brings a place and a people to himself that God can use. And even when it comes to us, our identity is so beautiful. The Bible says that you are a chosen generation. It says that you are God's royal priesthood. Isn't that good? That's who you are. Because of everything that even Abraham stepped out in. Father Abraham. You know, had many sons. Had many sons. Had Father Abraham. And I am one of them and so are you. Everybody, you raised in church. So let's just praise the Lord. Right hand, left. I'm sorry, that is. Chrissy's looking at me like, preach. But Abraham got this thing started. It's so cool. And you're benefiting from it all these years later, this idea of place and being God's people. I love it. Now check this. Even Jesus, Jesus himself, he faced this principle of walking towards something before walking in something. Yes, he did. And he's the son of God. But the Garden of Gethsemane is the picture of this place of faith, this place of hope and expectation, but this place of tension. In Matthew 26, verse 36, Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and he prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. You can see in this picture, Jesus is about to do something incredible, but he's feeling that tension. But check this out. Jesus stepped out in faith and a band of disciples was born. Gathered people to himself as he's stepping out in faith. Was there opposition? Oh, yeah. I mean, Sadducees and Pharisees and all the things that happened. Of course, opposition is ministry. But right here in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's having opposition with himself. And he's God. I always love when people say, just live like Jesus. Do what Jesus would do. I'm like, Jesus was the Messiah. I'm not. <laughs> right? Right? Theodorokopoulos, you are not Jesus. But we have the Holy Spirit in us that allows himself to be replicated in and through us, which is powerful. But you know, even Jesus, man, he was 100% human and 100% divine. That humanity, you can see the opposition. You can see the tension. He's crying out. He's sorrowful. He's troubled. And he even says, God, I, I don't want this. If it is possible, let it pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. That sense that you have when God is showing you something to believe in, that thing that you're having hope for, and you feel that tension, just like God's nature in you, that Imago Dei allows you to be one that speaks in faith, guess what? God's nature within you doesn't keep you from feeling that tension. God's nature within you doesn't, doesn't fix the faith issue. It just doesn't. You're always going to feel that tension. Jesus felt it, and you're going to feel it too. But Jesus showed how to get through if it be your will, God, I'll do whatever you say. And for nine years, I'm wanting to quit. For nine years. But realizing, God, I know you're going to do something. I don't know when. I just want to stay faithful. And then three years ago, we start to see this miracle. 
It's been amazing, you know? But Jesus showed us how to face that opposition. And check this out. Because of Jesus, these disciples of his, a band of misfits were able to find their seat at the table of calling. Every one of those guys had an opportunity to walk after the feet of Jesus, to follow in the steps of the rabbi, to follow in the steps of Christ, even to the point where he breathes upon them, and they go out and they begin to do miracles, signs, and wonders. I bet you anything, the first time they went to lay hands on a blind person, they had to think, oh, Lord, I hope this works. (laughs) Tension, tension. They stepped out in faith. They were his disciples, and they began, because of Jesus' work in their life, he invited them to the table and to the seat of calling. You'll never walk in your calling if you don't walk in faith. And that might be your calling as a parent, calling as a husband, calling as a a student, going towards something. It it, it goes to belief. God, I'm believing for something I'm not seeing, and I'm going to walk toward it before I walk. Everybody say, in it. It's just just this principle. I hate that tension. I don't know about y'all. I hate that tension. But here's what's so neat is it wasn't just about people in a place. We see here with Jesus' work, he's inviting them into a place of purpose. So we see through Abraham that he's inviting people to a place of identity, a people, and a place, the land of promise. But with Jesus, we see this invitation to calling. You will be my people. He's calling us to a place of calling. And I don't know about y'all. For me, the church, the house of God, was the place where my calling was, was elevated. The house of God was a place where, as a young person, I found true identity and purpose and calling. And not just because I was a preacher. I'm not that, not just because of that. When I was a kid, coming from Kentucky to Ohio, you know, what happens in, 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 when that happens is you don't have any family around you. So everybody in the church becomes aunties and uncles. I don't know if he was raised this way, but that's how I was raised up. So you had, you know, Auntie Eve. How you doing, Auntie Eve? You know, and you had, you know, Brother Jeff, and you had Uncle this and Papa that and Grandma Hattie and Aunt Barb. And it was those people that in my life as a kid, they could see what was not, and they called forth what wasn't as it was. They would call it forth out of my life. And I would feel like I was a mess, but they'd speak life. Guys, you have an opportunity every week in here. Young millennials that are here, God, you and older people have an opportunity to speak life to these young people and to these young teens and to look at those goof-offs because I was one of those and to realize God has something in store for them and to speak life to that. Amen? Beat the tar out of them when they need it, but speak life. (laughs) Speak life to that. I actually, it was funny. I told Pastor Marvin today, I said, I hit your son yesterday. He goes, what? <laughs> well, you told me I could. And I did. Him and Grant, I had them for two days. And Grant and him were spitting spitballs, spit, you know, in the car. And, um, and, and, and so Grant, and I whacked Grant on the leg. Stop that, boy. He, like, smacked my son on the leg. And then all of a sudden, right, and I smacked him, he was already, you know, young Jeremy was already, you know, it's hard to stop when you're already started, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I reached back, I'm smacking, and then and Jeremy's spitball in the spitball and and so whack I smack him in the back of the head (laughs) Jeremy looked at me like what I go your daddy told me to do that (laughs) you remember those days back when everybody in the church could hit you we're not going to do that (laughs) lawsuits nowadays everybody's thin skinned but but um Pastor Marvin he was appreciative of it though so all right (laughs) here's the thing about Jesus though for this to happen he had to have sacrifice hope don't quit 
And he was willing to go forward. It was worth it to him to lay down his life for the lives of his friends, for the lives of these disciples, of which you are one. Amen? But it was sacrifice. It was dedication. Let me hit one more circle, one more kind of concentric element to how this is reaching. We see Abraham, we see Jesus. And, and then in Acts 1, it says this, And while staying with them, Jesus ordered, he was staying with the disciples, Jesus ordered the disciples not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. In verse 8, he goes on, he says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So what happened in this, the disciples stepped out on the promise, on the word of Jesus. And what happened was they stepped out in faith and Christ's church was born. But, but, but you can see the opposition here. A few things, okay? Wait for the promise, it says. It was about 10 days before the presence of the Holy Spirit showed up in this way, okay? I don't know about you guys. If I don't know the timeline, I'm struggling, especially if it's about prayer. Pray, seek me Wait till the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be endued with power to be a witness. Okay, cool. I'm just being honest. Three days in, I'm done. I'm just, I'm not good at prayer. How many struggles with prayer? Am I alone in that? I'll pray for you. <laughs> you, you pray for me. But I do. I do. I struggle with prayer. I start to pray, and like the train goes by, you know. Don't forget this. Do this. Don't forget that. It's like, uh, I can't pray. So I struggle with prayer. But 10 days of seeking God in an upper room, not knowing what this is going to look like. Not, can you imagine the tension? And it started off with about 500 people that saw Jesus ascend into the heavens. And then the scriptures teach us that it was 120 left. Almost 20%, that's it, that hang, hung in there. They didn't know it was going to be the day of Pentecost that the Holy Spirit showed up. They didn't know that. They weren't like, hey, we're going to be Pentecostals. They had no clue. It just happens to be the festival of the day that it showed up. And there's a whole lot of ramifications of that that I'll teach you maybe in the spring. But still, when it comes down to it, they were faithful to the promise. The promise is always something that looks to the future, right? That's what a promise is. So a promise is something linked to faith. It's linked to hope. It's linked to walking in something before you're walking, or rather towards something, before you're walking in it, before you possess it. And so we see here tension already with the early church. But there's this promise of the Holy Spirit that's going to come, and they're going to be witnesses. Say witnesses. And so because of 120 people seeking God in an upper room, when the power of God came, Peter went out and preached, and 3,000 people in a day were able to find their seat at the table of salvation. I love that. And listen, that word salvation, it just doesn't mean you get out of hell ticket, all right? The Greek word is soteria. It's almost very similar to like the Hebrew shalom, where shalom is just peace. It's just, it's just I want you to have the absence of, 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 of anything that would cause discord. I want you to have peace. I want you to have shalom. You know? Salvation, soteria is very similar. You know? God doesn't want to just keep you from hell. He wants to save your mind, your heart, relationships, your struggles, your addictions, your, 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 everything about who you are. And so I want, to call, I want to call salvation something a little different, just for our modern minds. Life change. Life change. Jesus, he's done everything he's done so you can walk in life change. The power of the Holy Spirit came to touch you so you can walk in life change. Isn't that neat? So if you're here today, trust me, listen, if you're here today and you need salvation, you need a life change, you need a touch from God, Jesus is here today. 
When we finish this service, you can go out to the Next Steps room and talk to Pastor Brantley. He'll explain to you what it means to come to faith in Christ, what it means to have some next steps in that journey of discovery of what Jesus is doing in your life. If you feel that drawing, that's not because I'm preaching it. That's because the Holy Spirit's drawing you. And talk to Pastor Brantley. He'll help you take those next steps toward the things of Christ, you know. And it's awesome because it's not about religion. Guys, listen, religion draws air. That's a nice way of saying, it's a nice way of Religion's not good. But a relationship? Come on. With Jesus? Man, it's incredible. And so we see this idea of dedication of these people to that great commission. They were so dedicated that they would go into all the world. They would preach the gospel. They would baptize. They'd lay hands on the sick. They'd cast out demons. They were so excited about that that when Jesus said, go wait until you receive the power, they waited. I don't get it, but I'm waiting. I want to go tell people about Jesus. He just went up into heaven. This is awesome. Guess what happened? He went up into heaven. No, no. Go get touched by the power of God first. I don't want your words just to be words alone. I want them to have the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit, you know. And so they went. But there's that tension. But that tension didn't stop them because hope don't quit. Then when they did go, guess what? They all, at least all the main disciples, they were all martyred but one. And he was boiled in oil. Not good. But hope, everybody say hope, don't quit. Amen, amen. And so it says, as we were closing here, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The second verse of that, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. We saw here that in Acts 1.8, you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit and you will be a witness. That word witness in the Greek is very similar to the word testimony that you would use over in the Hebrew, or in the Hebrew that we see um, of Abraham, speaking of Abraham, all right? It means that your life would line up in such a way that you would lay it down that Christ might be seen, that you would lay it down that the word of God would go forth, that there would be a sense of sacrifice as long as the message goes forth. That's what it is to have a witness. That's what it is to have a testimony. Amen? And I love it because it says, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. Abraham obtained a good testimony, a good witness. Jesus, obviously, good testimony, good witness. Those early disciples, good testimony, good, good, good witness. I want you to tap yourself on the chest. You're going to have a good testimony and a good witness. But guess what it takes? Stepping out in faith, walking into the thing that isn't there just yet, but believing God to bring it to pass. And so let me ask you a question. What by faith will you be willing to face that will provide hope for others for generations to come? That hope. That life change, that calling, that purpose, that sense of identity, what will you be willing to face that will provide hope for others for generations to come? What will you sacrifice? What will you dedicate? And I'm telling you right now, you have an opportunity to step out in faith and watch hope manifest in the lives of hundreds and hundreds of people. And guess what? It's worth it. It's worth to have the sacrifice. It's worth to have the dedication. It's worth it. You know why? Because when you do that, we've seen in Scripture, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. As you move into that tension and you move through that tension, evidence shows up. Yeah. I look in this room right now. It's just a room full of evidence. Evidence that Amy and I made the right choice 13 years ago when we started moving toward making this a dream, you know, this dream of reality. Evidence that many of you stayed linked in when you should have ran. But you didn't. You 
linked arms. You felt the tension. Let's keep going. God, what's next? And then evidence of lives changed. How many here, just be honest, if there was something Jesus has ever done in your life in this house, because of this house, because Jesus used this as a vessel to pour into your life, can you give God some praise? Is there anybody here? Amen. Amen. Yes, Lord. Amen. And because of that, hope didn't quit in our lives. We're not going to quit in other people's lives. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Jesus didn't quit. We're not going to quit. Amen. I just want to shout it real loud. Say, hope don't quit. Hope don't quit. I know, I know that, that sounds like Kentucky, don't it? <laughs> hope don't quit. <laughs> it does. It does. But, but, but Pastor Brantley came up with that title. So don't blame me. It's not grammatically right. You know? I love it, though. When he said it, I'm like, that sounds just like Papa would have said. That's incredible. You know? So here, let's be close. Three years ago, God began to do a thing. And it was the summer of, of, of 14. And as that summer was going, um, we were having this really neat summer. August comes, and next thing you know, we grow up like 40 people overnight. Which, when you're running about 200 people, 215, 220, that's a huge deal. It just, just grew quick, and we realized God was up to something, you know? And that fall, we began to help our people to get a vision for what was called People First, and we called it the People First Project. Because when a church gets to about 200 and gets past about five years, they become very ingrown. And we had, you know, all our friends are in the house, and all the people we hang with are in our journey groups, and it's just the normal thing that happens. And so we had decided to teach our people back then, people first. What does it look like to reach people first? And you know what? We had 5,000 square feet in our building. That was it. From stem to stern. That's it. And we decided if we have to have three services, we'll go to three. If we have to have four, we'll go to four. It doesn't matter, you know. When it comes down to it, it's people first. We're going to reach people. And then if you remember right, toward the end of that year, we had an opportunity. We found this property. Blown away by it. First time I saw the property, I'm like, there's no way we can walk on that property. Just no possible way. Not a dime saved in the bank, you know. And so February, the first Sunday of February of 2015, we brought to you the vision of this property. And that's the same day that we went to three services. And like I told you all that day, look, we'll continue to continue to do services. Like here probably in the next few months, I would venture to say we'll be in three services here, you know. And so, um, so that was kind of the thought. But, but we have an opportunity, and if we can raise $150,000, these people will allow us to come into their property and lease purchase. And guys, you know the rest of the story. Within a year or so, a quarter of a million dollars. And look what we're walking on. That's pretty cool. Here, yeah, praise God. And so that vision was cast, and it was wild because last year, in August, we, we decided we'd bring, bring Pastor Stephanie on. And that was a big step of faith, you know? And aren't we blessed? Amen? Amen. And just, yeah, yeah. In December, we brought Amy on. And aren't we blessed? Yes, you know? Um, in January, um, I told you guys, I really felt that 2017 was going to be a year of acceleration. And we, you were the fruit of acceleration, you know? I think Pastor, Grant, Pastor Brantley, I think, said we've grown over 100, 115 people not even a whole year yet, like nine months, you know. And so you're the fruit of that acceleration. And so with that, we decided, man, we're going to step out in faith. We're going to bring Brantley on. And so in January of this year, we brought Brantley on. Man, that's incredible. You know, aren't we blessed? Amen. 
But here's the thing. It's the end of the quarter. This is three quarters. We're going into the last quarter of the year of acceleration. And I just really don't think that this last quarter is going to be the last thing. I, I think that the latter is going to be greater than the former. I really believe that. And this summer, God began to stir us with the intention and thought that we're going to have to do something because the growth is starting to happen. And obviously, we're going to have to go toward uh, another service. We get that. But we were wrestling with, God, what's next as a church? And took time to fast, had the board, had the church, the, the staff seeking God. And, um, and long story short, um, I think God's just doing some great things. And I want to invite Amy to come up here. And we're going to reveal to you what's next. Amen? So, come here, baby. Amen. And no, I'm not pregnant. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. It'd be wonderful. It's just, ooh. amen, Sarah. <laughs> All right. So, no, I'm kidding. All right. So, basically, what we want to reveal to you is this. You guys ready for this? Next spring, we're going to break ground on about a 15,000 square foot building. Amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Hallelujah! Yeah, 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 yeah. Praise God. Amen, 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 amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? It takes faith. You can have your seat. It's going to take faith to do this. But we've seen God honor faith. Not when we just willy-nilly do whatever we want to do, but when we seek his face and we know thus saith the Lord, God's saying something, and we begin to step out, we've just seen it time and time again. I can't wait to see how God miraculously is going to provide for this. Just can't wait. I'm so excited about that, you know? So when it comes down to it, we're going to have a new, a new building. Um, as you can see, I'll just point out a few things. The, 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 the portico will be something that as people come up, they can see it. Right now, you can't really tell where the nice front is, you know what I mean? So you'll be able to tell that's kind of the, the portico. What I want to do is I want to show us the next slide, all right? And so this is kind of the footprint, and, and none of this is exact just yet, but it's close. It's really close. We've been working for about two months trying to figure this out, but it's pretty close. So what you're looking at is a gigantic foyer. Why? Because you people are crazy when it comes to community. You love fellowship. You love hanging out. You love being together. And so we've decided that we want a big foyer where people can chill out. You know, people can just be together and spend time. And, and that's another reason why we want to build this, because here's what we really felt. We felt like we're going to go to three services. You know why we're going to three services? Because we're never going to tell people, I'm sorry, we got too many people. I guess, I guess you get to go to hell. <laughs> right? I mean, I, I mean, I mean. Actual, not figuratively. I mean actual. You know what I mean? No, we're never going to do that. So, so, so we are going to go to three services. Most likely will be three services before we get this built. But we can't be who we are in three services. Just being honest. How many remember when we've done three before? Even the reason why we did Easter, and it cost us a ton of money to do Easter out in that field. But the reason why we did it was because it just, the Easter we did four services just didn't feel like us. Run in, have a service. Get on out of here because we've got a bunch of people coming in next. Have a service. Get on out of here. I, I'm not in it for the numbers. We're in it for the discipleship. And part of discipleship is community, you know? Brothers spurning brothers on, you know? Joel getting in my ear saying, Ross, you need some help. And me going, I know Joel. I do, <laughs> you know? It's, that, that, that happens. It doesn't happen with service. You know what I mean? And so 
that's why we want, we just, we feel like we'll lose who we are if we have three services for too long of a period of time. Does that make sense? So that's why we're building this, so we can be in two services, have that kind of feel. I want to show you some neat things about community. So the sanctuary, you might be saying, well, how big? You know, about five to 600 feet, or people, seats, okay? That's about it, you know? Why not bigger? Because we don't want an edifice. Not, I'm not downing anybody else that has bigger congregations. We are a church-planting church. And so having that size allows us in two services to grow to a size where financially it will be easy to take a couple hundred thousand dollars and take a bunch of people and send them 10 miles away and start another work. And then it's enough of an incubator that we can grow that again, send a couple hundred thousand dollars, send a bunch of people 10 miles away, start another work. Isn't that cool? What that does, that creates a leadership structure where we're going to be able to raise up young pastors and ministry leaders and, 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 and volunteers and journey group leaders. And, is that cool? Yeah, Something we can spend the next 30, 40, until Jesus comes, building people with the culture that you guys have created. I think it's a powerful thing. And so that, that's the reason why it's not 1,200 seats, you know. Um, with this facility, you'll see the big foyer. It's big, and I'll tell you why. Because we want to be able to have fellowship events in the big foyer. How many here has tore these chairs down tons of times? Raise your hand. I know. It stinks. So we want to tear the sanctuary chairs down very often. Once in a while we will. But for the most part, it's a foyer big enough that we can have events right there in our foyer. Cool? Here's something I love. You guys like to hang around forever. And after church, what you do is you drink your coffee and you look out the window at your children. Okay, he's not dead yet. And then you go back... You do this. I see you do it. You know, we do it, you know. And so this tan square on the right where the playground is is where our playground is now. It will actually get about uh, maybe not quite fully double what we have, but pretty close. And so that whole thing is a playground, and that whole wall between the playground and the foyer is glass. Amen? It's, it's, it's going to be glass panels, you know, however it works out. But that way you can drink your coffee and... Watch your kids kill each other. <laughs> There'll be in this also, the foyer area, there'll be also a commercial kitchen with a cafe. Again, the kitchen will be kind of a behind-the-scenes thing you won't see. The cafe will be presented. It'll be out there. But it'll be something that where we can do meals. And, you know, it's just going to be really nice like that. Um, I think that's about it. Obviously, there's some support rooms and various things. This is going to shift just a little bit, but that's pretty much it. We've tried all different configurations, but this squared-up kind of configuration is going to be the most economical. Amen? I like economics. <laughs> I do, especially when they stay in our pocket. <laughs> so, so this is going to allow us to be able to position ourselves in a way that we can do greater ministry, reach more, hundreds and hundreds of more people, and be the springboard for the greater vision of this house to be a church that releases. Amen? We're going to do this. So how does that look, Pastor, if we're going to do this by spring? Um, on Eclipse Monday, I had the Southeast representative of the loan agency that we work with, his funds, and he came by, and we walked the property, talked to him about this idea of finances, and when he left, he shook my hand and said, Ross, we can do this. And this week, he goes, Ross, I think we can break ground in February. I was like, man, come on. I like how this guy talks, you know. And so here's how it looks. This is the plan um, put up on the screen. Between now and the end of 2017, that's this year, we're believing God for $100,000 to come in. When we did this the last time, it blew my mind. We had one offering, 45, not, not a combined offering. One person gave $45,000. How many would like to be that person? 
Can I tell you, you'll never be that person if you don't give the 15? You'll never be that person if you don't give the 500. You'll never be that person if you don't give the 250. You'll never be that person if you don't give the 10,000. Amen? I'm just being honest. You know, they, they, they got themselves to that place. Blows my mind. And so it was one of those things where we're going to allow, we kind of want to front in this. You know, we, we need that big chunk so that we can move. But that's something to where our lone guy feels that, hey, if, if, if I can see this moving forward, we're going to be cool with you guys with this. Number two, um, by the end of March, the other 75000 And then by the end of the year, another 75000 So it'll be much like the last time where at some point we were here and we still raised hundred grand or no, uh, 75000 once we were here. You know, we, we, that pledging continued, but it was one of those things where we were already occupying. So there will be a part of this year, I, I believe, will be in, I'm hoping for no later than August 1st. That's when we want to be in, that first Sunday of August when the kids go back to school. And um, so there'll be August through December, people still giving their pledges. So when you go today, what you're going to get is a pledge card, okay? And when you get your pledge card, it will um, um, have a place there for you. You'll have that one-time big gift in December, the first Sunday of December, that one-time big, big gift. And you can give today. Some of you today might be like, hey, I'm just going to go ahead and do it now. Man, that'd be incredible. Um, but then you're going to pledge something a month from January through December. Okay, so you got that? And we'll remind you this a couple times during this series. But, but one big offering and then a monthly pledge for 12 months. That's how we're going to do this. And it's one of those things to where you know how we work. We just don't have any pressure. We just don't have any strain. It's just we feel this is what God wants. It's in your hands, you know. We're not hiring some company to come in and host dinners for us to get you guys to commit. I'm not going to spend 10% of our budget having dinners to get you to give money. I will spend a percent of our budget to buy y'all T-shirts. <laughs> That's funny right there. <laughs> All right, one last thing, and I'm going to have Amy speak. Um, this next picture, if you can see our building the current building we're in right here, this sanctuary and this whole wing, so everything from the TPO, the flat roof, all the way to the end, that will all become Empire Kids Ministry. Is that neat? Every bit of it. The, all this. And the other side will be Empire. Um, did I say Empire Kids? Mo Kids Thank will you. be. Yeah. Mo Kids. And the other side will be Empire Student Ministry. So we'll be able to have kind of separation between the young ones and the older ones, which is kind of neat, and some sense of identity, that that side's theirs, that's the youth, I love it, you know, and so, um, so with that, um, that's that, I think that's everything you guys need to know, oh, the parking lot, it'll be linked, like right now, you, you come through one, and if there's not any parking spots, you have to come out, go down, and do another try, and they'll all be linked up nice, too, so that's another thing, um, and then finally, we want you to know that it's not just about building a building, it's about the next generation, you know. It's, it, this allows us to minister to all ages better. And so Amy wants to speak to that, and then we'll be done today. Yes. You know, we hear us talk about everybody needs a story of hope, and we really want to help these kids uh, in their journey and, and what it looks like for their story of hope. And in kids' ministry, it's so much more than just excitement and getting people to volunteer to bring hype and, and energy and, and worship experience. All those things are important. Those elements we want to do, and we want to do it better. And so it's more about just having the volunteers partner because we're about strategy here. These kids, let's fast forward 15 years, and that's going to be the Momentum Church, Amen. the adults. And so we really want to partner with these kids through our volunteer base of serving. And so the first um, week in November, the first Sunday in November, we are going to have a relaunch 
and Mo Kids Elementary. And so, like I said, we're not, do, we're not changing up the curriculum. We're keeping the same strategy. We want to partner with the parents. We want to partner with the volunteers and the kids and all the different phases, but especially in Mo Kids Elementary. We need you guys to help because we don't want them to just come into a big environment and experience God in a, in a, a big, huge, exciting, energy-driven way even though that's important, we want to be able to speak into their lives personally in small groups and just really hear their hearts and what's going on in their lives on a weekly basis. And so this is why we need more volunteers. And so if you guys could get on the app, the Momentum app, and where it says serve, even if you don't even know what that looks like, but you want to hear more about what we're doing for the relaunch, um, go ahead and, and get, get that on the app. Um, click that you want to serve in Mo Kids Elementary. I'll get a hold of you. And then this Saturday, we're going to have a training session for all the different seats, if you will, on the bus of Mo Kids Elementary to help you get co connected and to really um, continue those stories of hope with these young kids. Amen. So I am super excited. I mean, yeah, it's not about building just a bigger box. Amen? Who cares about the bigger box? It's about the ministry that takes place in the box. Right. And so we're not going to wait to take ministry. Yeah, come on. You can give God praise for that. So we're not going to wait till we have a bigger box to do ministry at a whole nother level, you know. We need to start that now. I, I just really feel this. I, I don't think we'll ever go to heaven and hear God say, I'm so proud of you. You built something with metal and bricks. Woohoo! I just don't think that's, well done, my faithful servant. You built stuff with metal and bricks. You built a bigger building. I just don't see... I just don't see that. It's, it's, it's well done, my faithful servant. You know, it's, it's that service to people. I think that's what's going to be honored. And so with that, yeah, we'll have bricks and building metal and all that good stuff. But, man, what the ministry looks like inside the house needs to always be our priority. That's just a toolbox. That's all that will ever be. That's all that this has been is a toolbox to be used of God. Amen? And so we just want to encourage you guys to be a part of taking that kids' ministry to that next level. Thanks, Pastor Amy. And, um, and so as we conclude, we're going to close in prayer, all right? As we close in prayer and you leave, you can give at the doors with the ushers or the box. Um, also, um, we want to encourage you, if you're a guest, to come see Amy and I um, in the Next Steps room. We'd love to get to know you if you're a guest and we have a gift for you. Um, if you want to follow Jesus, you've made a decision to follow the Lord today, come back and talk with Pastor Brantley. He's got information that's going to help you as you grow in your commitment to Jesus. Amen? Can we pray? This is exciting. Let's stand to our feet. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.